0: the infinity bros podcast the only podcast that is perfectly balanced as all things should be i'm your host max mosher here today with one other infinity bro of our six rotating cast it is infinity bro zane zane how are you
1: i am doing fantastic just a, a beautiful morning here in uh, minnesota uh ready to talk about some last of us and you know it's not uh, super often we do these morning episodes but i kind of like it because i'm Kind of more in my prime. I come home from work. I'm kind of in that wind down time, and you know, I had a lot of that, a lot of the time at work to think about what I'm, what I'm gonna say and want to talk about. So I'm, I'm ready.
0: I also like that we don't get the dark red shaded
1: room <laughs> that you live in. That looks
0: like you're a secret Russian agent, or that you live in your mom's basement. And you just like red light bulbs. I'm just really thrilled.
1: that. Well, we're you that. do know that the, like the, the red light is because it's a Darth Vader lightsaber light. Like sure. that's why it's red, which I mean, it makes sense. But I mean, yeah, because I got to have all these like darkening curtains because it's like I sleep during the day. So I got to get my room as dark as possible. And so when it is dark out, it just makes it even darker. So
0: you're a night owl. Overnight guy.
1: Big overnight guy. Yep. Big fan
0: we got a jam-packed show for you today. It's a big week here on the Infinity Bros Podcast. We're not going to lie to you. This is episode 156. Episode 157, I think, is going to be out in the next 72 hours. We're going to be reviewing The Mandalorian, season 3, episode 1, later this week. Very excited to review that. It's a big season for two people. It's Jonathan Majors, who's got Creed, and obviously Ant-Man just came out. And then it's Pedro Pascal, who is just dominating television right now with The Last of Us and The Mandalorian. So I'm really pumped. Uh, If I was him, I would be spending all the dollars right now to celebrate myself because he has earned his paycheck here. Zane, on a scale of one to six, how excited are you for The Mandalorian season three? What are your expectations of this coming into the week?
1: Well, I mean, six out of six, if we're keeping it on scale. Like everything we've had from season one into season two, like the show hasn't missed a beat. It has hit the expectations and, you know, even gone beyond it when it needed to. And so, yeah, I'm very excited. I am pumped to see as it kind of expands more into the universe of what we're getting, um, you know, get more running. Like, yeah, what are you going to do? You got Grogu back, you know, and like what kind of adventures are we going to go on? Like what are we going to see? And, from, you know, different pieces that we've gotten and what we've seen, it's just like, you know, there's the, the big rumors and everything of like, hey, are we going to get Ezra Bridger? Are we going to get this? And it's just like, I'm very hyped for that. Because to tie in the rest with what we had with Rebels, to kind of bring all this together again, it, it's fantastic. I like Feloni and Favreau are been wonderful with what they're doing with this. And so, yeah, I am totally ready to see what they give us for season three.
0: It's a smorgasbord of content. If you're a Star Wars person, I think it's going to be great. I, I am not a Star Wars person. If you've historically listened to that, you're throwing up because I'm saying it again. <coughs> but if you're a new listener, I, I'm excited. And I I, I will be on, I think I'm going to be on the first episode. I It's the only show that uh, for Star Wars that makes me geeked to watch it. And I'm like, I haven't even watched Andor yet. Uh, But I have watched an episode of the Boba Fett series to prepare for this Mandalorian show. So, like, that just says everything about the Mandalorian. I can't weigh it in. uh, But you you didn't tune into this episode to listen to Star Wars talk. That's just the preview for the episode later this week. The teaser. The appetizer. That's the appetizer. You tuned in to hear us talk about The Last of Us. Episode 7, Left Behind. This is directed by Liza Johnson. Last time you and I got together, Zane, we did not realize the director we were talking about was such a big deal this time i took the uh time to look up the director and i can tell you liza johnson is not well known she is only known from my perspective of room 104 but she also is a silicon valley director zane oh oh okay yeah so she automatically gets my uh my personal vote of like okay you're all oh, right
1: all open. okay yeah we'll take you all right
0: and if you're just, if you're a Barry fan, I know Barry and we what we do in the shadows, which I have not seen. Those are big series as well, but um, not really I think well known outside of those products. But this is her directing time in this. This one obviously written by Neil Druckmann, Craig Mazin, as always. We talk about those every time. Pedro Pascal, you know him. Bello Ramsey, Ellie Williams. I'm very excited to talk about her in this episode with you, Zane. And this features the introduction of Storm Reed, Riley Abel. I'm going to talk about her in a little bit. Uh, Terry Chen and Ian Roy Rozy, Rosilo, Rozy- Rosilo. I don't know. I always have to mispronounce a name if I'm, if I'm reviewing an episode. It's yeah. They're in it as well. Very short cast, only like seven people in this. And two of them played infected people. Yeah. <laughs> short and sweet. This is like about as much of a bottle episode as you can get from
1: the last of us. All I can think of is you saying it's a bottle episode. Is that episode from community? Like Abed, we don't know what you're talking about. It's a bottle episode. Super
0: meta. If only
1: <laughs> if only Ellie
0: spoke like Abed, the show would be so much better. I'm kidding. The show's already really good. <laughs> Up through six episodes, Zine, before we get into spoiler reviews and talk about the show and break it down. What have been your thoughts on this episode or on this series so far? You've been on a couple episodes with us to talk about the show. Obviously, you've played the game, I have not. Through six episodes coming into this episode, what's your rating been of the series?
1: My rating as a whole has been a six out of six. Like I've loved what they've done. I've loved the story that they've told. Um, I know that some people have been knocking on it for a lack of action, but we knew that coming in and it has enough of the story that it's telling that they've, I feel like they've used the action in the spots well when they've needed to. Um, So for me so far, it's six out of six. Like I think, in my opinion, for what it has been, episode three has been the only weak point. Um, there's definitely been better episodes, but all, it, you know, through the whole course of of what we've had and the story it's telling and what it's accomplishing. It's six out of six because it's telling the story as it should be told and what it's hitting the point. It's getting the emotions across. It's conveying what you want to see from a video game adaptation. And I think it's doing that very well. And for that, for me, I give it a six out of six.
0: I was on the episode three discussion episode and you kind of referenced episode three. A lot of the critics loved it. Remember they had access to that episode before everyone else. So there's a lot of hype around that episode. And I came on the show and I said, Hey, I really enjoyed the episode. I gave it still like, I think a 4.5, which I would still stand by out of six. We'll get into our rating system in a bit. Forgive me if you're not familiar with that. But I had articulated at the time, I really want to see Joel be a badass. I really want to see him really thrive. I came on a later episode and, and retracted that statement. And I've been very pleased since episode three with how this show has gone. I think episode three to me was a true filler, fill in the gaps episode. And we're going to talk about this episode more in detail. So I won't get into why I think this. But this episode is very similar to episode three but does it in a much better way, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. Very similar episodes, actually. But this episode provides a lot of backstory and connects some dots for the audience that are unfamiliar with the character of Ellie. And I think it's going to be really, really uh, important down the stretch this episode. Also, we get Storm Reed. I want to talk about her real quick. Storm Reed is known for, in my opinion, one of the worst movies ever made, Wrinkle in Time. This poor girl played Meg, the main character in this movie. And uh, I I, bl- I forget which episode. I, I'll i try to go back and find it. And if I can, I'll put it in the show notes. A Wrinkle in Time was a book that I, I loved growing up. And I felt that Ava DuVernay absolutely butchered this film. <laughs> like, it was awful. It had nothing to do with anybody in it. It had everything to do with the people behind the camera and the decisions made. And so I feel for Storm Reed because I I think for her, that would have been her big moment. And she's had some other interesting opportunities to act. Uh, she's been in Euphoria. She plays the daughter uh, of um, Deadshot or Bloodsport, excuse me, in The Suicide Squad, uh, the James Gunn film. She's in The Invisible Man uh she's in don't let go she stars opposite of uh david oil Oy- the oilo oh. i'm always bad at pronouncing it. it's so bad <laughs> it's so brutal but that movie had a lot of a lot of people really enjoyed that movie she so she's been in some like some pretty hardcore films or tv shows that have like really allowed her to act and her range is good and i, I see it in this episode so Um, I think a lot of people are going to know her for a wrinkle in time and a wrinkle in time has significantly bad ratings, but I really, really, really am glad she took this role and I'm really excited to talk about her. Let's dive into some spoiler stuff and make sure our our audience is familiar with our rating system. Zane, if this is your first time listening to us, we rate things out of a scale of six. So I'm going to go ahead and put that explanation bumper right here, here on the infinity bros podcast. Everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the infinity bros rank something a six, it gets an
1: infinity step.
0: And then additionally, we're going to spoil everything about this episode. We're going to spoil everything about the previous six episodes. And there's a chance guys that Zane might talk about some spoilers for the show. He's going to for the, for the game, excuse me, Zane. Don't, don't spoil anything for me. But I do want you to maybe shed insight into specifically how the game does with the backstory of this. So this is a universal spoiler warning. This is Prepare Yourself and Infinity Bros.
1: Prepare Yourself.
0: Spoiler. Warning. All right. The synopsis reads, as Joel fights to survive, Ellie looks back on the night That changed everything I talked about. Directed by Eliza Johnson, Neil Druckmann, Peter Pascal, Bella Ramsey, Storm Reed is in this. Zane, go ahead and give us your spoiler review of episode seven, titled Left Behind.
1: All right. Well, so this episode, um, its basis is on a DLC that ended up coming out later after the main story of The Last of Us had finished. uh, the same name called left behind and it actually does, uh, this episode does a very good job of following the story of what happens. Um, I do have some issues with it. Um, uh, personally, I think the way the game did it was better than what this episode did. Um, I think it's, it was a little bit of an odder because of like where it tracks in with the whole story. Cause again, like I said, it's a DLC. So you've already finished the game. Then you come back to play this. And so it is kind of odd that of they just added this in um, where it is in the story wise. Um, so I, I think I, I, I guess I couldn't totally figure out if that was, were part of how I felt it was like, ah, this is a little jostled. It feels like, um, But yeah, I think the the game does a better job of telling the story, but of what it did with the TV show and it gave the backstory of what you needed with Ellie, it kind of, you know, it established, cause yeah, it was never something that really got into of like, Hey, we know she got bit and we know she didn't turn. And so like, what's the deal with that? And so like this actually kind of shows some of that, this kind of shows her life before everything started with the firefly. Like this is kind of that, Yeah, it's that prequel of showing everything that happened. Um, And, yeah, I think it also goes into, adds um, more to this bit of, was it the previous episode, when you had that really emotional moment between Joel and Ellie in the the house when they're having that discussion. And I know that was a, a shot for shot from the game. Fantastic how they did it, of When, you know, she brings up this daughter and like, they're basically saying like, I've lost people too. And then, you know, Joel comes back, you don't, you know, that whole emotional scene. Well, this actually shows what Ellie's side of things, because we knew what happened with Joel. We knew losing the daughter, you know, his brother let, you know, we saw what happened with Joel, but we don't really see what it is that Ellie lost. And then this episode comes and you see that. And I think it takes um, a, a little more of that cognizance because you realize, oh, like this, th- this has a little more weight to it. Um, so Zane, pause real quick.
0: Since while we're here, what did the game do differently for our audience that's
1: in my camp that you felt was better than this? All right. So part of just how the pacing works with it, the DLC in the game. So how it sets up um from this is it still kind of takes in after you know joel is you know bleeding out gets his injury so what it does in the game is like okay i guess in the show they just kind of trigger the flashbacks like right away in the game she leaves joel and she finds an old abandoned mall uh, because she's looking for supplies to whatever she can find to try to help heal joel and, and that's when she, what triggers her memory. That's what, as she's going through this mall, that's what's bringing the memories. And um, so, and then that's also a different point because it, it's because um, while she's going through this mall, it's jumping back and forth. So it has a section of her remembering her night with Riley, but then it jumps back as she's through the mall in the present time. But the group of raiders that they had that run in, which you know how joel got his injury like she fights them in the mall because like they're still like pursuing her so like in the, the the dlc there's it's jumping back and forth but there's way more action and i think th- with this episode they cut all that the present action part out and they told the backstory. And I think that really slowed things down a lot. And I know personally, that was something that I didn't really like that. It was like, there were times I was like, oh man, this is just really slow. Like the, and that's what I mean by, it was a very counter to what the DLC was. Cause it was like, it was jumping back and forth. It wasn't just this whole, Oh, here's the full backstory. And then back it was remembered a, a bit of this. And then it was back to the present of her looking for the medical supplies or fighting these Raiders. And then she'd walk by, you know, another thing. And then it would trigger another piece of the memory. And so I, and I understand that there's a lot of things in adaptation wise that it doesn't necessarily carry over. I think it would actually have been really cool if they probably would have done it a little closer to that, or at least have some of that moment of where she's doing more of the fighting or having more of that action. But I also understand of just, Hey, we need to tell the story. But in my opinion, this is where it becomes more glaring and this episode loses a little more of the shine um, that it shouldn't have because I feel like what they did with episode three with Bill and Frank took away some of the luster this episode should have had because like you mentioned before, this basically just kind of retold the same story we got in three. And I feel like they kind of wasted some of that telling that story with Bill and Frank on throwaway characters. I got to cut you off. You're nailing everything I think about this episode.
0: Um, and, And I have no context to what you're talking about. But that, to me, sounds like a way better storytelling narrative of this episode. I'm, I'm giving this a 5.2 out of 6. I really enjoyed this episode. I This is a good episode. This is a really, really strong episode. And I don't think a 5.2 is not a bad rating at all. I think it did do a lot of what episode 3 did. And I think this love story needed to be more central than that. I think they really propped that one up. And those guys aren't coming back. Right. They're just not coming back. Ellie is the cornerstone of this show. And she needs to have it needs to be her and Joel held up. It needs to be the relationship of Joel with his daughter. And it needs to be the love story of Ellie and her friend. And I'm totally with you. I I wanted with what happened at the end of last episode with Joel bleeding out. You can't just leave him shivering there and then 30 minutes come back to him later. I I, I just don't like that. I it's like why are we stalling on such a big cliffhanger? Why are you leaving me now for another episode that's two episodes I'm stuck on this cliffhanger. I don't get it. I don't understand that choice. But you know what? The story was great. The story was tremendous. They did a great job with how they shared this story. Storm Reed, the reason I kind of spent some time talking about her was because I think she has not been given a role that's juicy to get her on the mainstream market. And I think she nailed it as Riley Abel in this episode. I think Storm Reed was tremendous. She carried a lot of emotional, heavy things in this from basically watching these bombs to carrying the knowledge that this is the last day I'm with you. You can sense that both of them are speaking, but their faces are doing a completely different dance um, I, I would credit Bella Ramsey. She continues to shine in this role. She continues to be the Ellie Williams that everybody chastised at the beginning. I, I think take a bow, Bella Ramsey. You're doing a great job. Six out of six from both of them. This is to me on Druckman. Um, I'm, I'm back on Druckman. The same feedback i give episode three. I'm like Druckman, you're, you're doing too much here, man. You need to. Your story's laid out. Let's let's. I agree with you. Let's bounce back and forth. Give give me a little more time with Joel. Joel is dying. This is the central character. I I just it's similar to episode 3 for me in the regard of like I want to be with Joel and Ellie. I want to know Ellie's backstory and this backstory is big. But why did Bill and Frank get a better arc than Ellie and and Riley did? And maybe right. maybe this could have been two episodes. Maybe we could have started this last week. Maybe maybe last week we get a shot of her backstory origin starting, and that's the setup for this episode. So I don't have to be stuck on Joel being st- being stabbed by a baseball bat. I don't. I don't know. Not claiming I can write better than these guys. I'm just making a point of. That's a really, really big moment in this show, and I know it'll get resolved. And I know this show will do what they need to do. I know that. I, I this show. Robbie said this last week on on the last week's review. This show is probably going to be a six out of six. I feel good about that. I feel I feel confident in saying this is going to be a top five show this year. But they're just doing some things, some decisions that I'm just like, what are we doing here? Why are we taking – the the two most important things here were Joel being stabbed in this relationship with Ellie and Riley. And I think the Ellie and Riley one just got a little more inform- – little more, just a hair more. And if we had bounced back and forth, it would have way more impact. The other feedback I'll give about this episode, Zane, before we break it down is – why did it cut off before Riley turned or, or did Riley shoot herself? Is that coming later? Do you think?
1: Well, I don't, I can't speak on that, but that is actually how the DLC ends as well. It left it open ended. Oh. So it, it left it that you assume she succumbed to the disease because we already know what happens with Ellie. It's so like, that's, that's how the DLC in the game also ended. You can do
0: that in the game, but in this show, man, it's a powerful scene to watch Ellie kill her. Right. I think we really missed an opportunity here. I I really do. I I understand sometimes you want to leave some things open-ended. I don't think that was the right choice in this episode. I wanted to see it. I think it would have really, really, really set up Ellie. I, that would have been it. That was the one more thing I needed from it. Um, Yeah. Right. This is a great episode, though. I'm knocking a lot of things in storytelling, but my only gripes in this show right now are some of the decisions Druckmann makes. I have no gripe with any of the actors. I have no gripe with any of the directors. Every director has shined. I think Liza Johnson really did a great job in this episode. Her shots are really tremendous. The mall stuff, the aesthetic there was great. I really, really enjoyed that. Let's break this episode down. I'm sorry I keep cutting you off, Zane. I just wanted to make that point. (laughs) As somebody who hasn't played the game, I don't know if I'm making a fair criticism or not.
1: No, that like that's totally fair. And I think just from my standpoint, if they would have done gone that route in the show, I think that would have made this episode better than what the DLC was. But because they didn't and because of they didn't do the flipping back and forth, that's why, in my opinion, the game version in this was significantly better than the episode. But I think that would have definitely leveled, if not, you know, given it a little more favor, if they would have done Into that but I guess maybe this is getting a little Too far ahead of things This is kicking off a huge arc From the game of And what We're going to get in the next episode Of this is Stuff's about to get really heavy Like there's potential for our next episode That like like Season or like episode 5 Like epic top of the line Like This is kind of that next point of like if they do this right, it's going to be a very impactful episode. Next episode, yeah,
0: episode five is is one of the best hours of television ever, um, for sure. In my opinion, it's top 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 fifteen, top twenty. It's in there. Um, Ellie Ellie and, and Joel uh, enter the shelter. I thought it was really cool how they had the shot of the horse shaking off the the snow. Really nice touch. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Joel approaches death, he urges Ellie to leave him. He's pushing her. He's, he's kind of giving her that shtick, but he's got a tear down his eyes. I, I Pascal doesn't get much this episode, but man, every time he's on screen, man, he crushes it. He crushes it, man. He does such he's a good so job. Good. So good. She goes upstairs to try to find supplies, stops at the stairs, and this triggers her time in Fedra. I thought it was really cool to see her backstory of her running in the military school, getting picked on by the person. Uh, what's the gal's name? Bethany, I think was what her name was. Yeah, Bethany was her yep. name. And uh, this causes her to fight her, gives the girl 15 stitches. And we get a great conversation with uh, uh, Captain Kwong, uh, played by Terry Chen. And I really enjoyed this. This was good backstory, too, to like, okay, Fedra was one way in the first couple episodes. This is behind the scenes. There are it appears there are people in Fedra that are trying to do the right thing, that are trying to get it back to what it was but also there's a heaviness to like look this is the path you can either and we find this out later with with um uh with Riley's character that she's sewage duty you can either be on sewer duty or you can be an officer and have a comfortable life what would you like and the juxtaposition of those conversations on what Ellie's going to be we obviously as the audience know her path is going to be the hero that she doesn't necessarily want to be as she talks about in this story Um, I really enjoyed that Zane. I really think that was a wise choice by, by Druckmann to do this. And I thought it gave great understanding to Ellie's life before she took this journey. It makes more sense why she was so Marlene and Marlene earlier in the show was pushing her to do this. And she was like, I don't want to do it. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is so important. Like this is a cure. And I really, that, that to me put, filled in some dots and, and obviously the relationship with Riley. What did you think about all this backstory kind of like Fedra behind the scenes? We've seen the fire fireflies. We've seen these other rural areas. We've we've learned about Joel. We're going to get to Ellie here in a bit. But what did you think of Fedra's backstory a little more?
1: From the aspect of the game here, then pivot to the show. So from the game, there's a really good job of switching who you view as the bad guys are. And so I feel like then coming to the show, it's just like, oh, man, you just – Straight up, like, oh, it's 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 Fedra. They're trying to create order, and they kind of have that early on. Then, as you move on, and what is it, episode four, and then everything in Kansas City with you know Kathleen. Then you realize, oh, there's people that that Fedra was doing stuff very poorly, and it ticked a lot of people off, and there was an uprising. And then you like, so like you said, like there's very much some people in Fedra that like, hey, we're trying the best we can, but there's also the instance like these guys have kind of flipped the script and they're doing their own thing and um, not trying to jump ahead. I'm sure you'll touch on it, but the the bigger impact for me on that is kind of that conversation as they're overlooking the mall. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I'll, I'll let you get into that, but that, that's kind of where I'm going with this in that conversation was the bigger impact of what the, you know, Fedra versus fireflies, because it's all in your perspective and how you're looking at it.
0: I thought Druckmann really wrote this scene well. Druck- Druckmann crushed that, Zane. I really do think that. I think he did a killer job of showing why each of them was doing it. I empathized with both characters. I empathized with their circumstances. I also empathized a lot with Riley. And Riley here is saying, look, I had a life with a family. Like, I had that. Mm-hmm. And I lost that. She says that kind of towards the end. But the overlooking of the mall conversation was great because it's like, well, what are you going to starve? What are you going to bomb people? Like it's just such a great dialogue of both of us have a smoking gun here. Nobody here is innocent. This is essentially a civil war, and you're choosing a side opposite of me, and I don't want to be opposite of you. What what, what was painful for Ellie as I processed watching this episode wasn't that she wasn't that she joined the Fireflies. I think Ellie is more empathetic to the Fireflies than Riley's giving her credit for. I think, I think Ellie doesn't care. I think Ellie just doesn't care about either side. Riley cares because she feels she's been given a bad hand. And I loved Ellie's argument of, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. That's that to me is, is the life. And Riley gives her that in this episode. Let's talk about this. I, let's talk about the malls. And this was so good. Um, Riley sneaks back in, sneaks in Ellie's room. They, they sneak out. They see the dead guy with the alcohol. I thought that was an interesting scene, a sad scene. Um, it was also very jarring to hear kids laugh at that. You're like, oh, these kids are pretty messed up because they're laughing at this. I wouldn't have laughed at that. So then uh, Riley takes Ellie to the mall and surprises her with the five wonders of the world, obviously four. But then she saw the escalator, which I thought was a great touch. What, what stuck out to you in this mall scene? What 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 scenes impacted you the most?
1: I mean, you can just run through, like, any of the four, but, like, I mean, I think each stop that they kind of had and the dialogue they took in kind of each of those spots added a little bit more depth to everything. It added just a little bit more of insight to stuff. It added just a little bit more of that seasoning to what you kind of had on this episode. Um <laughs> like I, I with the mention of the escalator thing, the only thing like I had to chuckle to myself on that because I was just like, it, it's always a weird thing. Like it's it, it's like a Hollywood thing. You get this trope of the first time like someone sees an escalator and it's like they they freak out like Ellie did, or you get the reaction of like in Elf, like you don't know what to do. But then like I think of. I think of myself, and it's just like I, I. It was just an escalator, and you just got on it. It like I, it. It just seems like it. It, it made me chuckle because I feel like that's one of those things that they overplay. of like, oh my goodness, what is this? But in the reality, it's just like you just get on it and you go down. Like
0: <laughs> the characters don't realize they're doing it. They're commenting on capitalism. They're talking about like these things were stolen. Why did they steal shoes? Like there's so many dialogues here of like, what on earth? Why did they leave the women's lingerie, but they took or the soap? (laughs) They stole shoes, but they left the soap. (laughs) Yeah. I really, really thought that was really clever. And I love going through this world through the eyes of Ellie. I really appreciate her authenticity. It's what really draws me to the charm of this character and also too, I think Riley was really fascinating to see. Also Zane, uh, the mortal
1: Kombat two stuff was great. How they had the poster in the wall. That's what I was going to add on. Like of, of the, the four wonders or whatever if you will. That was my favorite part. I didn't want to jump too far ahead of them all stuff. That was my favorite part. Like the fact that, and like, if you watch kind of the after episode, they kind of, uh, I think it was amazing or whatever kind of explained a little bit on that of, that was the whole point that the mortal Kombat two poster like come from Ellie, like it, it was just a poster she had. This wasn't a, like a real thing. She'd never actually played the game before. It was just, this is a cool poster. And then that's what kind of added that depth that where I was like, Hey, here's this mortal Kombat two. Here's this poster you've seen and hang in your room that you've never actually experienced this game before. Now you have this opportunity to play it. And I think that added way more depth to it. And it, it was just fun. Like, I mean, obviously I'm a big video game guy and arcade games and, that was such a cool thing. And even just the, the shot of them, like walking into the arcade, the Rajas arcade, like that's straight from the game. There was a ton of shots straight from the game that they incorporated in this. And that was very well done. But yeah, that was just, it, that was a cool one. Cause um, I think he said too, kind of in that, the, the after they were talking, they also kind of wanted to give this impression of like, it, you're in the apocalypse. You have all this stuff happening. But they still wanted to give that feeling of kids skipping school for a day. And what would kids do? And I thought they nailed that. What would a kid do if you skipped school for a day? You'd go hang out at the mall. You'd go to the arcade. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right. And I thought they captured that so well, even though it was just Ellie and Riley. It's in an apocalypse. Everything's run down and everything else. But they still capture that feeling of, hey, we're skipping out on school and we're just having a fun time. And that was very well done to me. Yeah, I agree. I think this was really well done. And I uh, props to the
0: design team, to the people who are building these sets. I thought there was a lot of care and attention to detail in that. And I really appreciate the color schemes here. This is, again, why I'm really I'm praising Liza Johnson. I think behind the camera, she just had some pretty remarkable shots, how you're turning to the Mortal Kombat 2. As a viewer, I thought that was really cool because I was like, "What? What game could they possibly be so excited to see?" Because uh, for me, I'm like, I see the Galaga machine. Like, why are we looking <laughs> anywhere else? The Galaga <laughs> machine's right there, right there. That's it. But I was like, "What?" And then, and then it clicked for me. Mortal Kombat Two, and that's just really good storytelling. That I saw the Mortal Kombat Two poster. I didn't think really anything of it. And I really appreciated that. I I really yeah. This is a the, the wonders were great. Let's talk about the fight they get into. Obviously, they get into the photo booth. They go on the the carousel, and uh, Riley uh, shows Ellie her her room, and uh, she communicates that the Fireflies have assigned her to Atlanta. And Ellie uh, sees uh, she wants to kiss her at the at the arcade, and then when she sees the room and sees the bomb they have this huge tension and fight. And this, you think I thought as a viewer, Ellie's going to go off and she's going to fight it, or she's going to come back and have to save Riley again. Great storytelling. There's a yell. I think it's Riley and it's not. They, I was on the edge of my seat. Once I saw the infected person, like I was just all, I couldn't pay attention to them. I was like looking behind them the whole time, which I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but it, it is what it is. I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I, you get this really intimate moment with the two characters where they dance on top of the the table together, they kiss and then that's when the infected hits. And again, great storytelling. Again, we finally get that. And that's when they have to fight the infected. And this is where the show really gets one of the best scenes. And even though I'm giving it a 5.2, there's still some scenes here that stick out. The scene when they both realize they're bitten was one of the most authentic zombie Bite transference scenes I've ever seen. I felt it was full of emotion. This is the best scene to date from Ellie Williams, Bella Ramsey's character. Or yeah, I, I just I loved what she does here. I love the scream. I love the 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 grief they both experience in a short time. What do we do now? And I loved how she pro- that that's where we bounce back <laughs> for a half second. And then she goes back, she's hitting everything. She's hitting everything and breaking. And then Riley goes, you can hit stuff over there. What'd you think about that scene?
1: Yeah. Like it was a very powerful um, scene to watch. Cause yeah, it's just like, and just seeing the two different reactions on it. And, um, and I, I know it was, I don't remember who's Druckmann. I think it might've been Druckmann that was kind of explaining some of this afterwards. Um, because it's like, yeah, it's it, two very different reactions. How you know Ellie, you know, freaks out and hey, we're gonna break stuff, and whereas Riley's just like, this is like this happened, and through the conversation they have and what he said, um, th- this like I always watch the after, like the after episode stuff. I I feel like this one really poured way more insight into a lot of the things. But um, what he would point it out, and it like I kind of picked up on it through watching it, but it like completely clicked after he said it was that the reason why there was such the difference in reactions is because Ellie had never experienced the true loss before, whereas Riley had. And so that's why Riley could accept it and Ellie couldn't. Uh huh. And so that's why Ellie was freaking out and smashing stuff. And Riley just sat there and like the conversation they have of just like, you know, this is just how good. This is just how some people go. It's because she's had to deal with loss and Ellie hasn't. And this is where I'm saying of like the whole point where it loses some of that luster of jumping back and forth is because that's where it clicks then with Ellie of why she is, needs to fight so much harder to save Joel Yeah, because she doesn't want that loss. Because she's scared of it, you know.
0: There's another thing too here. This is this is a unique way to tell it. Again, there's, you and I, you have seen a lot of zombie movies. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a zombie movie where character's processed a bite like that. Like the trope for zombie movies is if you get bit, it's like, all right, you got to put me down.
1: It's you put it down, or y- you hide it, and then they turn, and then oh,
0: or or they sacrifice themselves. To to advance the characters further, right? I've never seen it where both of them have been bitten, right? And that was what was unique about the scene. And that, and again, we this show does a great job of it. It turns tropes on its head. When I think they're going to go right, they go left, which is clearly why the game is so awesome. But you're nailing it too. I really like. Thanks for the insight on that. I'm glad you shared that. Zane. Sure. Where Druckmann really leaned into the storytelling here is the line that Riley said was, "You know, we can't give up." If it's two days or two weeks or two hours or two weeks, we can't give up. And that was the cut to Ellie coming back. And I, I liked that. I thought that worked, but I agree. You're getting more of these emotional beats, I think, articulated to the audience better if you if you go back and forth, I, I would agree with you there.
1: Like, I think this is what also really showed that, like, this should have been way more of the focus than what we got with three is because they had the opportunity that they could have done the double suicide. But then they were like, no, we're going to stick this out and see what happens. And that's just a complete opposite to how they handled that end. In oh, three. that's interesting,
0: too. You're right. Yeah, that is the opposite of Bill and Frank
1: because they were just like, "Oh, we're just gonna end it." Whereas this, they were like, "No, we're gonna fight." And like, like Riley's line, whether it's two days or two weeks, like we're gonna stick. Like that's what you would want in that scenario. Like, like way more impactful, way more heroic. Exactly, and I feel like what we like it just that moment completely outshines the ending of three, and that's why it just absolutely it it, it makes me kind of angry that I was like, it took some of the luster off this episode because that should have been the focus, not with what, Mm, uh, not the attention and that three got. Like, I feel like it just took some of that spotlight from this.
0: I think a character that is going to fight in circumstances where the odds are against them always trumps the depressed character every single time. Yes. And I think this gives even more credence to the character of Ellie. She is not. Wanting to be a hero, yet she is one of the most heroic characters in the show. I think Riley was viewed that way. It completely changes the view of my rela- of this relationship to me because of their her- heroic nature. And I-, I think Riley, even her motivations to join the Fireflies is heroic. And I think Ellie's motivations to stay with Fedra are heroic. I think they're, hey, we could change this, is a conversation they have. And I, I think that was so much better, that hit so much more. I just wanted... Druckman to connect a couple dots. That's it. This is completely on storytelling. It is not on anything other than him, Johnson and uh, Ramsey and Reed Pascal for the two seconds. He's in it. <laughs> they're great. And this backstory really fills in that gap. For, I, I'm a huge fan of Ellie. I, I said a couple months ago that, um, 11 is probably on the Mount Rushmore of female protagonists. um, and I was kind of thinking, I think uh, the gal from alien, I would put her on there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I don't know many female protagonists I'm putting on there that we're starting. This has been the era, I think the last 10 years of stronger female protagonists, I think there's a very strong c- candidate here with Ellie to be one of the main female protagonists in fiction moving forward. And I, I'm really excited about it. And I think this is a really cool age. When you see Eleven and Riley, and I'm sorry, Eleven and um, oh my gosh, I'm Ellie. mixing up names, <laughs> Ellie, Eleven and Ellie, that's really exciting. This is a good era of of young female protagonists. I really like that. Oh, a lot. for
1: sure. And if, if this is something that's really got you excited, like I said, just then buckle up for next episode because, like I said, this could to me, next episode, we're really going to find out, um, Bella Ramsey. This is going to be the episode that really, if she nails this next episode, yeah, this is going to be the true
0: test. Emmy's
1: propelling to bigger roles in Marvel yes. DC. Th- this next episode is that turning point of, I don't want to say the next evolution of the character, but like there's a big stride that really kicks stuff off. And if she can hit that, in this next episode, then that's, that's a launching point.
0: If they restart the X-Men in the next six years or five years, cause she's still young. I would love to see Bella Ramsey play Kitty pride.
1: Oh, that'd be fantastic.
0: I think she has the chops to play Kitty pride. I think she's tough and I would love to see her. I would love to see if they reboot the, when they reboot the X-Men for her to be Kitty pride. I've, I've seen her the whole time is this just running through walls and being crafty and nimble. I, that's the character I would love to see. And
1: give, her, and give her Lockheed.
0: That's what I'm saying. Give her, actually give her Lockheed. Don't do what they did in the New Mutants. Right. <laughs> yes. Amen. Absolutely. Um, this ends with Ellie w- picking herself up. Again, we talked about that heroic beat earlier. She sews up Joel, and that's our final shot is him just taking a brutal scene. <laughs> no alcohol to clean her wound it is brutal, man. And that's That's where Pascal's Pascal's showing tears and grabbing onto sleeves better than most actors will. Uh, but uh, yeah, she Bella Ramsey. This is her. This is her best episode in my opinion to date. I think Storm Reed was really impactful. I'm hoping to see her get better written shows and roles. She has not been given that opportunity yet, in my opinion. So I'm thankful that she got it here. And yeah, this was another great episode. The Last of Us is just absolutely tr- crushing it right now. And I'm so fascinated to see how it does against Mandalorian um next week. It's can this show end in a way that non video game people are pleased, while also balancing the act that after season two they're gonna have to make some tough decisions on what they do in the future of the oh, show. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's a great show. Really great show. It heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, this is this is awesome. I'm really I'm really, really, really pleased with what I've gotten with this show. This has been worthy of my HBO max investment. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. This has been it. This has been it. So yeah. well, uh, any other comments on this episode left behind before we go, Zane?
1: Well, I guess it's just a super random one. <laughs> I just want to throw in there. just in the, uh, the actual DLC. She doesn't just find needle and thread. She actually finds a med kit. Oh, okay. Which makes a little more sense than just, we're going to go needle and thread and you're going to grin and bear it. But
0: but yeah, no, like I said, it's just I like that choice better from Druckmann. I've crapped on him a couple times today. I want to, I like the needle and thread better.
1: That's fair. And like it fit that, but yeah, kind of, you know, circling back to what I said, it was just like I wish they would have done more of the jumping back and forth. I wish they would have done a little more action cuz like in the actual DLC, it's not it's one cl- it's not one clicker, it's like multiple, which it sure. the DLC was way more action to it. And I understand they wanted to focus on the story, but I would have liked if they would have done it a little more like they actually did in the game. But what makes episode five, the best so far is that they had
0: multiple clickers fighting, right? They got a big old group. That's what makes that a That's, that's a huge piece of the puzzle of that episode. And I think they're going to hear that feedback for yeah. season two. Cause I, I will say if there's one season long piece of feedback, it's that right. It doesn't bother me. I've gotten what I needed to know about Joel and, and Ellie now. So I'm right. good. I don't need any more information about who they are. They can overcome a lot of different obstacles. I want to see more fighting because I think the budget's going to have to be bigger next season because of the hype this has gotten. Right. One last note to viewers. Um, So these numbers all come from Showbuzz's daily top 150 cable originals. Uh, 0.588 million viewers for episode one. 0.633 in episode two. Again, that was an increase that rarely happens from episode one to episode two. And then it increased again in Episode 3, 0.747, so 747 million viewers. Then you get to Episode 4, increased again, 0.991. So HBO crushed it the first month of this show. Had a huge dip going into Episode 5 with 0.382, which is interesting. For some reason, that episode struggled. Was that the episode that it was on Friday? Yeah, that was the before the Super Bowl episode. Okay, well there you go. That that and then that that explains that number. Yeah. Jumps right back up last week with kin to zero point eight four one. I'm fascinated to see what the number will be with left behind after it. Uh HBO, you got yourself your next Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. I think we can say it now. At the beginning of the season, Robbie was like, I'm a Game of Thrones fan. We can't see that. We can't compare things to Game of Thrones.
1: Honestly, I but yeah, like the way the acting has been in this, the way the storytelling has been in this. I mean, it's up there. I mean, what, what you're getting outside of that final season of game of thrones story-wise and everything else like this, this is up there.
0: This is it, man. They're cruising. Yeah. Yeah, They're cruising right now. They're cruising. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped about it. So you can check this out on HBO max right now. Uh, You can leave us a review at the infinity bros podcast, iTunes page, help us get seen by more people. Allegedly, we can start getting passes if we get 200 reviews. Oh, oh! You get passes to like comic cons and stuff. So
1: it'd be kind of neat
0: if you want to see Zane at a comic con. Leave us a review. Say less. If there <laughs> was like a takeaway review button, do you think people would do it after hearing that right now? <laughs> right. I do not want to see Zane at a comic con. I would like to take away a review.
1: Pay fifty dollars to remove a review. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'd do that. There we go. We can make a little, make a little profit on it. (laughs) No question. I would do that. I'd
0: delete all of them. Yeah. No question. Zane, thank you for coming on and joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a good time. Thank you audience for joining us wherever you listened, however you listen. Thanks for making us part of your podcast experience. Everything you can see to connect with us on multiple platforms, TikTok, Discord, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. It's in the link in the show notes. Uh, hopefully I'll have that episode that I talked about a wrinkle in time on there as well we'll see I'm going to do some research and see if I can find it but regardless we love you guys 3000 we'll see you during the Mandalorian episode later this week love you guys see ya bye Bye.